Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. We'd like to wrap 2020 with weekly live Q&A sessions here on the podcast. So after this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support this holiday season, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Kelty, we're upbringing. We're here. We're here live at five-ish, five-ish <laughs> yeah. to talk about the hard stuff when it comes to our kids, big feelings and challenging behaviors. We want to talk about why it's the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Why we're here to show up and grow up with our kids mm-hmm. in all of these challenging moments. We're here to dismantle conventional discipline. Mm-hmm. We're here to choose powers beyond control Go Hannah. Go Hannah. <laughs> that, that can not just build our kids' skills, not can build our own skills, but can elevate us, our relationship, and raise a kid that can go out into the world and understand their needs, know how to meet their needs. And if our kids' needs are met, guess what? They're going to be able to meet other folks' needs yeah. as well. We talked about this last live um, and podcast episode. Oh, we, shit. We didn't record again. God damn it. Start it. Oh, that we don't want to raise fragile white people, Right. The way that our kids learn to not be a fragile white person is from our example. When our kids give us feedback, resistance, I want to say feedback in quotes because it's feedback. It doesn't feel feel like feedback. It feels like they're resisting us. They're being mean, insult. They're being rude. They're uh, being selfish. They're uh, being sassy. They're, uh, they're just on their other planet. Why are they doing this to us? Right. Mm-hmm. And we get really kind of huffy and we try to lean on our, Oh, I'm just trying to socialize them. They just need to know that this is not okay. It's my job. Side, right. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to do in the meantime, in, in that modeling way is to say, I'm not going to be fragile. I'm their parent. And the best I can do right now is to model grace, is to model respect, is to model civility, is to model a democratic egalitarian home in a way that none of us was raised in. So that if we are kind of like busting and interrupting those, um, those, um, what are they called? Cycles. No, the things, the frameworks, the institutions institutions of the home, then we're raising kids who can go out into the world and be like, this institution is fucked up too. Why isn't it helping the people who need to be helped? Why isn't it listening to the people with the quieter voices? What's going on? Yeah. Right. That's our goal. But we want to raise conscientious consumers. We want to raise like civil um, activists, right? We want to raise thoughtful partners. We want to raise all of these folks. And we can't be parenting a certain way right now and then expect them to be 
mm-hmm. a different kind of adult. This, this right? always ties into our like unconscious hypocrisy when we do those posts sometimes where we're like, gosh, I really want them to be a rule breaker and a change maker. And I want them to like challenge authority when they're gone, when they're like, you know, out of the house, not about bedtime, not about bath time. I don't want them to stand up to authority or be honest about their, their inner purpose around my dinner that I work so hard on. Right. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. So we're really, we're here to work on our alignment and saying, if we want these things for our kids as a, as adults for them in their adulthood, in their life away from us, hopefully they'll call us when they're gone. We got to be walking the walk and talking the talk here. A lot of this is stuff we just didn't know. We thought, okay, we got to correct them. We've got to control them. We got to tell them when they're wrong so that they know how to be a good human being and a contributor to society, right? Mm -hmm. But so much research is coming out that's saying, that's not actually how you do it. And everyone's just like, what? This is all how we grew up. (laughs) You don't teach kids respect by yelling at them. You don't teach kids empathy by shaming them. What? You don't teach kids collaboration by sending them to their room. How? What are you talking about? So what we like to talk about is powers beyond control. This, so this toolbox we were, we received through our, our youth, our infancy, our cultural conditioning says control those beneath you with less power. That's how you teach consequences on my terms. Now threats, rewards, overpower lectures, all these normal things. We always throw in spanking timeouts, shaming that are so natural. Mm -hmm. But like I said before, like research is showing we don't have to do any of that. Our kids don't need consequences. They don't need punishments to learn. They actually learn less. And the things they learn are not things we want them to learn when we use those. So that's why we're here to show up and grow up a little bit and to be practicing powers beyond control. Everyone's got their own way. Ours is the resist approach, right? So when our kids are resisting us, we use the resist approach to basically push back against not our kid, but that impulse to Mm -hmm. control and dominate right? Mm-hmm. That cultural so conditioning, instead, that the man, right? right? Instead, we're going to respect, we're going to empathize, we're going to sync up, we're going to innovate, summarize, and trust. We're going to have a conversation mm-hmm. with this other little human in our lives that is driving us absolutely bonkers, right? So that they build skills, so right. that we build skills, so that we keep our connections strong, so that we're all focusing on our needs and our internal landscape to then be working on the external after. It's like a cart before the horse thing that we've been taught, that we should all be looking outwards and focusing on the external expectations, the the impact of our words or actions, all these things, right? And and everything is showing us um, in, in new discipline, in new child development, in psychology, that we should be focusing on the inside first. It sounds so permissive and crazy, right? Try not to say crazy. to be saying, what are you needing right now? When they're like smacking their sibling. What are you needing right now? When they're like tossing the living room. What are you needing right now? When they're wigging out and saying mean things, right? So backward to focus on needs. And I want to acknowledge too, that this process and I, you know, as you're showing up, welcome everybody and uh, type in what's going on with you as far as the big feelings and challenging behaviors are going right now. We want to support. We want to commiserate. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone mentioned how happy they were to, uh, they said, hi, thank you for your vulnerability about how today was for you both. Always so helpful to know we're not alone. And I think that's what these yeah. lives are about is saying you're not alone. Mm-mm. You know, I think conventional parenting wisdom that our society in general really pits us against one another. It separates us all into our own little homes, our own little Instagram accounts, comparing and contrasting, right? And not talking about the hard stuff, not sharing the hard stuff, not acknowledging and connecting Mm -hmm. around the hardest parts, which are actually growth opportunities. You call them growing pains in the Mm -hmm. best sense of the word, Kelty. And I think that that's what these lives are about is saying, we're all struggling with this, right? Our kids are struggling. We're struggling. We're struggling as parents. We're struggling as white privileged people who are trying to do better than the people before us who are trying to show up in a way that can not just create uh, skills in us, create a relationship we love, a home we love, but can really change society for the better ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. And that that doesn't happen ev- all the time perfectly every day. This isn't some picture-perfect, Instagram-worthy type of parenting practice. And so I always like to 
emphasize that too, that like, this is not setting some high standard that you are not going to be able to achieve because that's also white patriarchy. That's also the system that we're saying, uh, no thanks to, Mm -hmm. um, in our parenting and in just our, our progressive person living. Right. Yeah. But I think that asks us to redefine success. We don't need to live in harmony. We don't need to have everything looking perfect. We don't need to have everyone high-fiving and kissing and hugging and being obedient and conforming to everything. That is not actually our goal. Our goal is not obedience with our kids. Mm -hmm. Our goal is raising and being authentic human beings who are on a journey alongside them, right? Goals connection, right? Yeah. And that's growth. Someone says, you read my mind with your manners post today. Been reflecting lately on whether I want to teach non-negotiables like please and thank you, or if that's just another way to control and raise a people pleaser. Mm. Oh, I love that. That is a beautiful distinction right there. That's You're showing so much awareness and being like, damn, I I want my child to succeed. I want them to, to thrive socially, right? I want them to feel connected to other people. And I want other people to feel connected to my child. They they must learn these things, these Mm -hmm. manners, these kind words, this social awareness, right? Mm -hmm. But again, at the expense of what? And when our kids are growing, when their prefrontal cortex has not been built, where they're making judgments and decisions and all these things, when they're still working on their nervous system, they're working on the back part of their they're brain. They're working so hard. Right? They're working on their arousal, right? Before their awareness of other people. We've got to keep remembering what our job is and what our focus is as much as we want to prepare them. It's like, for example, we could liken it to, I want to, I cannot wait to show my kid all the Indiana Jones movies. Mm. I'm so excited to show them the Jane Austen movies that I love so much. I want them to see Willow so bad. Oh my God, I cannot wait. But do you think we're putting our like toddlers and young kids in front of those movies right now? No, because we know they're not ready because we know they need to be doing slow, you know, bluey, slow (laughs) watching things that are soft and light and that are developmentally appropriate, right? But it's so hard to take that same perspective of, what we're showing our kids with screen time, for example, or what foods we're exposing them to, or what, um, I don't know, like other pop culture things, for example. And then what we're showing them in these moments, right? Through our expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Expectations. Um, our expectations as parents can so often get in, in the way of who our kids are and what they're able to give us Mm -hmm. in the moment. And that's why we always try our utmost when we're able to meet our kids where they are. And when we have that feeling like, are they ready for this? Or should they be saying thank you? Or shouldn't they be saying please by now? Oof, mm. that's a little, we, that was embarrassing. We, we, try, we try to recondition ourselves to think where they are is where they need to be. Mm. I'm looking at my kid. Here's what they're showing me. And that is, <clears throat> that's it. That's perfect. That's where we are right that's now. That's where we it's are awesome. right now. Right. Yeah. And to kind of set aside all of that pressure to push them ahead, to socialize them in a hurry, Mm -hmm. to make them say all their P's and Q's and thanks. And it's like asking a plant to bloom before it's rooted. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, it's all of these things where we're all, you know, conditioned to say, I need you to show that you know this and that you can do this before you've actually understood why the hell you want to thank somebody Mm -hmm. or how the hell you feel like doing it. Yeah. We talk about, um, Things like saying please and thank you and I'm sorry being such an incredible exercise in vulnerability that takes years to develop. Most adults I know have trouble saying thank you, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I, I don't need know. help, I don't know. All of these, I think, are they like th- four or five different keys to mm-hmm. wisdom that Louise Penny shares in her novels? I don't know if you like mystery mm-hmm. books like we do. But those are the keys to wisdom, being able to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I don't know. Uh, what was the other one? I need help. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we can be modeling those things for our kids, that that's how they're going to be, um, learning them. Essentially, the more we say, thank you. And please, the more our kids will say, thank you. And please, yeah. that's it. Someone says, Grace, you say, I love that you talk about the hard stuff. Oh, you bet. It's the good stuff. Someone else said, 
speaking uh or wait there was another one awareness equals thanks to your teachings and showing up to your lives each week thank you thank you, thank you. then we had a bluey comment here <laughs> ah bluey makes me cry every time mm-hmm. and then someone else said p.s we're very proud of bluey in australia huge fans in our house we are Aww. such huge fans as well yeah we are um let's dive in kel someone uh wrote and said speaking of the struggles how do you guys think about dealing with grief in front of our young kids my kids get so worried when they see me cry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a tough one. I mean, I think that, gosh, we have to remember that there's so much communication that happens between us and our kids that is nonverbal. Our kids are, they're connected to us through our interbrain, through our attachment, our essential attachment. And that doesn't go away. We can't all of a sudden protect them and, and create this just, well, I'll tell you what I'm feeling all the time. That helps, right? But kids feel what we're feeling. They are little sponges and that's the beauty about them. And that's what we want to be nurturing is that, that spongy nature of understanding themselves at this point and being able to understand other people, right? But I think that the tricky thing with that is that oftentimes we'll say, well, I, I don't want them to see me suffering because in my mind, negative feelings like sadness or frustration or anger are bad. So we oftentimes will censor ourselves from, from expressing those things or being honest about those things in front of our kids. And the, the tricky thing about that is that it can often be really confusing for kids because they feel what we're experiencing. But then when they actually don't see that on our faces or when we say with our words, no, it's not true. I'm fine. I'm fine. We're telling them that they can't trust their signals. They can't trust their perception of people mm-hmm. and feelings and things. So I think that we have to be at first honest, right? Um, as parents and be honest when we are feeling frustrated, when we are feeling sad when we are feeling those things, we want to say that and be able to verbalize it and authenticate it to our, our mm-hmm. kids to create a sense of security. Mm-hmm. But then we also, as parents, beyond being honest and vulnerable about it, need to be responsible. And that would be the other thing I would suggest and say, we also have to be careful about when we do that and about what and how much. we do that and how often and how much, right, mm-hmm. Kelsey? We've had to censor each other in moments of, of, yeah. of grief and kind of take over for each other or be like, it seemed like it was a little bit much. Right. <laughs> like maybe if you could step out of the room when this um, but that it's the fine line that we have to walk and negotiate um, within ourselves and yeah. within our families, for sure. I think that feeling, uh, having experiences as, as a parent about other people and other things mm-hmm. is an incredible learning opportunity for our kids mm-hmm. because it's not about necessarily about them, them, them mm-hmm. and their, uh, what they do or don't do our relationship. So we can just say, oh, I was frustrated. I dropped that whole thing of eggs. And we're explaining and teaching them that emotional intelligence by an experience we've gone or, through. Or probably see me crying a little bit. This is what I would do a lot being like, you actually not, don't seem to be affected by it at all. But I've been crying a little bit because I just really miss Aunt Joanne or I really miss our dog that that died a couple of years ago. And I was thinking about him and I use it as a moment to show vulnerably (laughs) what grief can be, which is remembering someone you care about and feeling affected by it and having a memory about it. And And that it's a safe place to be. And that it's a safe place to be, right? I'm feeling really sad now about grandpa, but Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to feel better later and it Mm -hmm. feels good to let these feelings Mm -hmm. out. Sometimes when I think (sighs) of him, I feel sad and I also feel really happy Mm -hmm. and I just miss him. And that can be in the moment or right after. It could be in a circle back later if you've had, uh, you know, struggled to interact about it in the moment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I agree, Hannah, that the biggest thing I feel like we we often hear people say, I I should be authentic with my kids. I should show my kids my feelings. And this comes from a generation of of, more Mm -hmm. parents who are hiding their feelings from their kids. And a lot Mm -hmm. of kids saying, I knew my parents' marriage wasn't good, or I knew that my mom was, had a lot of anxiety, but she never talked about it and she never showed it, but I felt it. And I didn't know what to do with that. I and it felt really uncomfortable. Right? Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people are swinging the other way and able to then say, you made me feel this way. Or I've got permission now. Now I have permission. <laughs> Little child, when you say this, it makes me feel It makes me feel like this. When you say this, that hurts my feelings. I'm being transparent because I want you to know that I'm a human. And that can be problematic because mm-hmm. we're our kids' attachment figures. So we want to be transparent and open and honest to a degree based on their development and their age and stage when we can, but we want to try to never make that about them and about what they're doing or not doing or who they are or what they mean to us. We don't ever want our kids' needs to feel dependent or at risk based Mm -hmm. on our needs. We're the ones responsible for them. Mm -hmm. We become that inner voice. We're helping build that self-concept with them. 
So we want to make sure that we don't constantly condition them to be looking towards our kids to constantly be looking towards us as parents and saying, am I meeting their needs? Oh my gosh, I'm not meeting their needs. We don't want to be raising codependent kids here, right? We want to be raising kids who feel secure in their needs and can still understand other people's needs, our needs beginning with, (laughs) without feeling insecure, without feeling to blame, without feeling worried or scared or responsible. I hope that makes sense a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I think that especially having feelings about other people is a beautiful learning opportunity to express around your kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed today because of this um, work thing. Uh, but I know that I'm going to have a call with my boss later and I'm sure it's going to be okay. Right. You could probably tell I was feeling a little bit like a little anxious or a little pokey back at you. I'm really sorry. I was like that earlier. I feel like I've been processing a lot from my day. I'm working on it, I'm trying to take those deep breaths, right? Right. So we're kind of, we're modeling vulnerability mm-hmm. and natural human emotion, authenticity, and also coping strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those, and, that and not making our kids feel like they're responsible for our feelings or mm-hmm. making them feel responsible for making us feel better or worse, right? Mm-hmm. That's an awesome opportunity with siblings or with friends or mm-hmm. other people where they can be doing that stuff, but not with a, an authority figure, not with an attachment figure. Yeah. yeah. Someone says, I have an almost three-year-old Nora. She's been hitting a lot. Like whenever she's unhappy, she just runs at me and hits. I'm really not sure how to handle it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I hear you there. I feel like we talk about kid hitting almost every uh, live episode. So please go back to any that have hitting in the title and check those out. (laughs) Hitting is is such a natural stage for kids. I feel like we often talk about how when, when we had little newborns or little babies, their nervous system was growing and they would express the way they needed to. They would cry, they would whimper, they would mew, all these things. And we would go right to the source, right? And we would do all the things we could to help them see to that need, right? We would say, I'm going to hold you. I'm going to give you some milk. I'm going to give you a pacifier. I'm going to swing you. I'm going to bring you into like a little warmer blanket. What do you need, little baby? I'm going to get you there. There for you. And then as our kids get older and older and older, we get a little bit tricked by their skills, by their words, by their actions that feel their large motor skills, (laughs) feel a little bit more violent, a little bit harder to endure as people, a little bit more terrifying about the the type of person they're going to become. We start, you know, spiraling out thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to be hitting people. Oh my gosh, they're going to be the bully at the playground. Oh my gosh. We start, you know, or we're just Triggering and experiencing the the grind of the day to day where your kid is running at you like this, Mm -hmm. which I definitely still experiencing and I get. Um, so how can we have those same lenses of what is my child needing? Just like we did when they were a baby as a three-year-old, as a five-year-old, as an eight-year-old, mm-hmm. as a 12-year-old, as a 20-year-old, mm-hmm. what are they needing? What's right. going on with them? Right. right. We have to acknowledge the fact child brain, toddler brain, two and a half year olds to 20 year olds do not have the prefrontal cortex built. That's the front of their brain that helps with decision-making logic, judgment, Mm -hmm. uh, problem solving, right? All of these things that are really going to help them impulse control, right? Resist just Jerry Springering on you or somebody Mm -hmm. else, right? So we have to remember that it's completely natural and normal what's going on. And then we want to help them, right? So I think, I think help is the word. I love that. A a two and a half year old is needing help. They're wanting to express something and they don't know how. And they go from zero to 100 way faster based on their brain. And our job isn't to say you can't hit and focus on the behaviors, which we like to call the waves. We always are like, let's go down under the water. What's Mm -hmm. underneath those behaviors? That's where the real growth is. That's where the real connection is. That's where the investment is right? Set aside what that looks like and what that feels like and sounds like, right? And say, what's going on? I'm going to try and stop the hitting if I can, so I can reroute that impulse. So they they come running at you like this and you say, okay, I'm going to stop your hand. It looks like you want to hit. What's going on? I'm going to stop your hands here. Let's make a little space, right? Right. I'm just going to make a little space. So we're cool as a cucumber. Our job is de-escalate. De-escalate, right? Just like when our baby cried, that's a two and a half year old hitting. De-escalate. It's the same thing. We have to hold, instead of holding them, we're holding space. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. It's just a lot trickier. It, it's feels, a lot. it feels so hard. We have a lot yeah. of coaching clients right now who are like, I no longer have nursing as a tool. I no longer have a pacifier as a right. tool. I no longer can pick them up and help them. 
we have other tools right. and that's what we're working on. You are not powerless in this. Mm -hmm. You have so much to give your child who is wigging out and hitting right. so much. <clears throat> we talk about this a lot in our self right guide that's available mm -hmm. in our shop. We also talk about it in our siblings guide. If they happen to be hitting a younger or older sibling, so you can kind of see it in parallel ways. Mm -hmm. Those guides are available at upbringing.co. And then we also have so many beliefs here in our quick mm -hmm. visuals guide that's on sale this week. Um, I don't know what you was, uh, sent yeah, about it, off. but it's basically all of our best um, side by sides, mantras, all of these helps. A lot of our folks have them up in their kitchens or in their bathrooms or closets or wherever feels mm -hmm. safe to post things that are these just these reminders. And we have them in four ups and then also single ups as just a mm -hmm. reminder of like, wow, what's our instinct? What's our goal? How can we build, take one skill and what does that sound like? Mm -hmm. What is this a general idea? What are these mantras when our kids hurt our feelings, for example, or hurt one another, but they just kind of help anchor us into mm -hmm. the research, help anchor us into the presence of mind and the awareness and acceptance of our kids is who they are. And then they give us some inspiration and ideas about, okay, how do I move forward and actually not just believing this, but saying this to make it so yeah. to calm my two and a half year old when they want to hit me. Right? Yeah, so when they want to hit, I think just keep everyone safe and right. then keep going to that need. How you doing? What are you needing? You want to hit your body's feeling like hitting you or frustrated you are yeah. or make a very logical deduction, right. which is e easy. Sometimes mm -hmm. you really wanted that other cookie. Mm -hmm. You really wanted that. We're going to validate that. Mm -hmm. We're going to say your impulse to get that thing is so great. Mm -hmm. I see that I'm not going to cave on the boundary, but I am saying, yes, you wanted that. Mm -hmm. I'm making you feel heard. I'm making you feel, feel worthy in the resist approach. We would respect that. She has her own opinion when she comes running at you, that she's her own person with her own unique lens that you can't even understand. Mm -hmm. We don't know where our little people are coming from because they're not us. Right. Then we would empathize. You really wanted that other thing or you really want to hit or you're feeling frustrated. Okay. At two and a half, they might be able to say more of this or don't want to no. go or whatever it is. Yeah. And we say it back and we validate that and we acknowledge their words or their mission or their impulse or whatever it is to give them the words and the awareness of and that, right? And calm them down because they can't learn unless their brain is calm. Right. Then we might sync up if we have to. My concern is, or if you've already said we can't have another cookie because whatever, maybe you skip that because it can be inflammatory, right? Or we say, but I'm going to have to stop you hitting, right? My words going to poke me in the face, <clears throat> right? Right. And then we go to innovate. What can we do? We need ideas when our kids have an inner resistance or an outer, right? Mm -hmm. We want them to be thinking with curious, like a non-judgmental curiosity. I can get through this. What do I need? What, what can I do to make this work? I don't feel like fucking cleaning out the garage or doing my taxes or going to the gym. How can I make this work for me? This is a huge skill that we right? with our kids. This is yeah. not permissive. This is not... I'm going to give them all these options to make it easier for them. Oh my gosh, la dee da. This what is a, when I want to give a princess. An, this is when I want to give an incentive or a consequence. Mm -hmm. That's when we innovate right. instead. Yeah. Yeah. And we so say, how can we collaborate on figuring out a way to meet everyone's needs? So we might talk about needs for getting those emotions out. Do you want to hit those pillows? Right. Do you want to get some fresh air? We're you wanting a cookie. Let's draw a cookie on a piece of paper. Yeah. Can we put it on the list? Let's go to the fridge and we'll mm -hmm. write it down. If you could have any cookie in the whole world, what kind would it be? Right. Right. This is when we often feel compelled to distract or put our foot down or get more stern or ignore, you. just walk the other just way. Like, la, la, la. Right? right. And then we might, it might actually be a uh, time to have to summarize and set a limit. Like they're going into the cupboard over and over for that cookie, mm -hmm. or they're still trying to hit us. I'm going to close the drawing to make a little space. Or I'm going to help that. your body outside. We lovingly right? follow through in those mm -hmm. moments with our two and a half year olds, yeah. any kid age. Right. And then we trust. Basically, the trust step is about recognizing that this is a process, that, yeah. that we're working the long game here, that everything our kids do is for a reason. We're trusting in their process, their mm -hmm. innate, authentic process. And instead of thinking about where we want them to be, the way we want them to be, we're looking to them to show mm -hmm. that to us and to just the, pro the constant process of moving through challenges together. Mm -hmm. Like that in itself is a beautiful way to grow. And that's not how we imagine it. We're like, I'm going to grow with my kid <clears> reading <throat> this book. I'm going to grow with my kid making these cookies. Pushing or, them on the swing set. Right. We're going to grow so hard. Grow so much. Playing. I'm like, I'm sorry, but most of the growth we're going to do with our kids is in the hardest moments when mm -hmm. we want to run the other direction. That's when the growth opportunity exists with our kids. Yeah. 
So that's the trust step of our resist approach. And we can circle back in the trust step. Yeah. So later in the day or that night when we're snuggled up, noticed you were really struggling earlier. Do you remember when you were trying to hit me and I was trying to keep you safe and you had some big feelings. (gasps) Is there anything I could do next time to support you better? My daughter's usually like, yeah, you could give me a fucking cookie or whatever it is. <laughs> like, well, other than that, or, you know, okay, maybe we okay. couldn't have had so Could many you know? earlier or what do you think? Um, but that's where we're kind of conditioning our kids to not feel scared to bring up those big feelings again. All those moments that were like, I just want to sweep that under the rug. Never want to talk about that again, ever. Those are the moments that we can try to take a deep breath and feel brave. Neutrally float out this thing instead of. Going the grill back, a grill back where we're like, <laughs> so this thing happened earlier and, um, I'd like to talk about it. Uh, if you could make a better choice next time, that would be great because here's the impact <laughs> of what you did that felt super shitty to me. So that's what we've been conditioned to people. <laughs> we get so stressed when out like, that. We need to talk. We're like, Oh, oh my God. God. About what? <laughs> what is it? And we didn't even grow up in an authoritarian household. Yeah. But yeah. That's the general idea. I mean, I think it's just, it's, it's such a process. We always say progress over perfection. And I think that's mm-hmm. the idea here. Someone said, literally want to buy your whole shop. Please do. Uh, how does coaching work with you too? I'm interested. We have coaching. It's on our, uh, our website page. I think mm-hmm. it's under, uh, coaching. work with us or coaching. Yeah. yeah. It's there. Um, someone else said, Oh, there was a, a five-year-old with big feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see here. Where was it? My daughter's turning five and big emotions and challenging help. Ha ha. Yeah. Our big feelings guide helps. I mean, all of these Q and A's help. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the whole goal here is to normalize, right? And destigmatize our kids' big feelings Mm -hmm. and challenging behaviors and to say they are not wrong. There's nothing uh, intentional about them. There is nothing pathological about them. They're all totally normal, natural, and necessary. What is wrong and pathological Mm -hmm. and worrisome is our conditioned response to them as parents. Mm -hmm. Not what our kids are doing, but what we've been trained to do as parents. Mm -hmm. That's what's problematic in a lot of these situations. And that's the work we have. Instead of focusing all of our parenting energies on controlling our kids and changing them, The work instead is with us and saying, what can we do to not just reimagine our relationship, not Mm -hmm. just understand child development, Mm -hmm. but to reapproach these challenges in a way that's going to actually elevate our kids' skills, build our connection, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. We have our resist approach for download on our website, as well as our freedoms model, which we have 10 freedoms for our kids. Basically, Hannah and I like went through and we're like, where do we always want to control the shit out of them? Bedtime, bath time, <laughs> meal time, <laughs> mean words, big feelings, um, consent stuff, uh, their freedom to know, their freedom to express. What are some, oh, play. We always want to control their play oh, when yeah, it's like hard to watch or dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so we made a list of all of those basically to build awareness of these areas of their lives that are, are theirs, mm-hmm. that belong to them, that are their rights that start off really when they're babies, we're so in control of all of those things. And it's a slow, so much power, a slow pull yeah. away, um, a push pull of handing off the, that baton. Mm-hmm. That's so tricky, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a big one. And, and ways we like that we can see- kind of sensitively support right. them in taking on those things as early as possible or right. at their own speed. And at the way, the way we know that our kids are ready or willing to take on more is through their resistance. And that's why we love kids resistance because it's saying not, I'm going to make your life worse. You're not doing a good Mm -hmm. job. There's something wrong with me. This Mm -hmm. family sucks. It's saying, excuse me. I want want more. I want a place at this table. I'm ready to start understanding and experiencing why my teeth need to be brushed on my own. I need to start understanding and experiencing and participating in serving myself my own food and Mm -hmm. understanding what that feels like in my body. All of these things, this resistance our kids give us in this big way is telling us that they want attunement. They want Mm -hmm. connection to themselves. They want to own. They want to be free to to do what they need to do. And it's scary for us because we started with so much power. And then meanwhile, we're having to give our kids more and more and more Mm -hmm. power. Where does that leave us? What does that mean? The two things often people say like, okay, so you're letting your kids say whatever. You're letting your kids 
yeah. like feel whatever you're letting kid, yeah. your kid do all these things. That sounds so laid back and permissive. Or shouldn't we be making our home like kind of um, a different version, like a replica mm-hmm. of the outer world? So we're preparing them for that. Mm-hmm. I feel like those are the two questions that come up so often, mm-hmm. right? And I think that in, in terms of the permissiveness, no, we don't have to be permissive. We can basically, instead of just mm-hmm. holding boundaries or over controlling, get clear on which boundaries we want to like uphold right. lovingly, mm-hmm. not in a controlling, negative, shamey way, um, and which ones we can let go of. Do they have to wear a coat at the door or can we bring it? Do they have to have five bites of that food or can their body decide? And we trust that, right? right? So it's, it's a, it's a fine line of permissiveness. Is our, is our parenting empowering or disempowering is the question right. to me. And it might look permissive to a lot of people. We've been called, oh my gosh, you're so laid back. And I'm like, actually, I'm working my fucking ass off right now, not to control my children and be thinking about all of these ways we can be working behind the yeah. scenes, modeling bringing up storytelling, offering choices and agency. It's so much work, but it's valuable work. It's an investment. And then when people bring up the whole, shouldn't we be making our homes a replica of outside? We want them to be resilient human beings. Often women come to us um, in these live Q and A's or in coaching scenarios Mm -hmm. and say, my husband is saying, no, we got to thicken their skin up. They got to be okay going out there because people are going to say, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. And I want them to be thick skinned. So I'm going to start saying that now. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And what do we say to that? That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. That's not how resilience is built. It's like, imagine like a little seedling, right? Do you expose it to the elements right away? A newborn kitten, like anything cute and tiny. Do you really want to like dump on it and, and expose it to all of these risks? No, you want to nurture it, right? You want to protect it. You want to let it build resilience. And then you expose it to the outside world. And that's how it survives is having built resilience before. And I think resilience key- isn't built through trauma. Yeah. But resilience is built through, through connection and through, through nurturing. Trust. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that key to building resilience is about building self-awareness. Yeah. And that's why we talk so much about self-awareness over socialization. Right. We've been so conditioned to be like, look out here, socialize, say please and thank you and be nice and share and do all the things and um, just be obedient and conform because that's what I need you to do. Look Not just please. now for my sanity, but at yeah. school, at grandma's and all the places. That right? tells me and everyone else, you got it. You're done. You're and good. It tells yeah. me and everyone else that I got it. Yeah. I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm doing good as your mom, right? That's the outside speaking. What about the inside? But also speaking from the perspective of a parent of sensitive and spirited kids where it's never going to happen like that. That's those, those, um, those signs of socialization are so few and far between compared to a child who is less sensitive or less spirited. We got to go about it another way. Thanks for everybody's sweethearts. It just makes me feel so, um, so warm and hopefully everyone else is seeing all of this and chiming in. I saw some folks being like me too with the five-year-old and you're not alone. And I just, I love all of this, this warmth that's happening right now. I just, it it really warms my heart too. I was talking about, uh, did I cut you off? Sorry. Socialization. No, it's fine. But if we can be, (laughs) if we can be continually, continually trying to against all of our impulses, look within our kids and be looking within ourselves as opposed to focusing on how everything looks, the impact of everything, how everything feels. We talk so often about like, okay, so a kid hurts another kid or a kid um, breaks our our cherished item, right? Usually we're focused on um, checking out and and focusing on the the behavior itself and the impact of it. Mm And the needs are left behind and the Mm -hmm. needs are where we learn about everything. What was driving that behavior? What was driving those feelings? Where was everything else that happened after coming from? Mm -hmm. And it feels so permissive to think, what were they needing? Or what was I needing when I yelled? Mm -hmm. Or what were they needing when they hurt that other kid or toppled that like priceless vase or whatever it was? Well, and it's hard to believe in needs if we're focusing on everyone else's needs outside of us, but mm-hmm. needs is the root cause. Needs is where we want to be focusing with our kids in all of these instances. Um, someone says, my three-year-old is a spirited kid that's very expressive in setting boundaries with his two-year-old sister. Mm-hmm. My daughter is more chill and likes to play with him, but he usually just wants to play alone. How can I teach them about boundaries when our house is small and the space is limited? They have a common play area. Mm-hmm. I think that's great that, um, your son is expressive and setting boundaries. Do you mean like expressive, like 
it's hard to watch. Get off my Legos! <laughs> or, um, but I think that's great. And I think that in those sibling conflict moments, we talk about this in our sibling conflict guide in our shop. Mm -hmm. So check it out. We talk about kind of being that neutral support staff where right. condition, like we've been conditioned basically instinctually to be the judge and jury, the hall monitor, the referee. Um, what else? The police. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be any of those things with our kids when they're struggling between toys, when they're saying she said this or he said this or whatever, whatever it is, we get to be instead we put our little sensitive support staff hat and badge on. We'll have those soon in the shop. We're so neutral. That's our goal is to just be like, how can I help? This is What's not that? about me. How's it going? All of your actions are morally neutral. I know that sounds really hard to think about. <laughs> they're morally neutral because kids are learning. Right. Right. So if we can go in thinking all of this is neutral, all of this is natural, all this is okay. Then we can go in there saying, how's it going? What's going on? You're okay. wanting more space. So and we're yeah. translating. So, right? so your sister was kind of crawling into your stuff and, and you're giving her some, some shoves because you want her mm -hmm. to have her own space. Okay. So we're kind of so You're wanting casting. to play with her and she's wanting her alone time mm -hmm. or whatever it is. You're sports casting, you're mm -hmm. translating, you're putting words to the scenario, to the feelings, mm -hmm. or you're checking in with them and saying, it seems like you're wanting this. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Am I getting this right? What, what is it that you're needing? You can tell her. I'm not sure she understands when you throw the Lego at her. Yeah. So maybe you could say, I need mm -hmm. space. But and I then she would know, or even like a, mm, or a yeah. stomp. That's great. So then this, she knows. This person asks, how do I teach them about boundaries? And I think that there are two ways to do that. One, by sports casting the boundaries that you're seeing that they want, mm -hmm. that they're not getting or that they mm -hmm. are getting, and just neutrally putting those things out there, right. labeling those things. And then secondarily, talking about your own boundaries, setting your own boundaries. Setting your own boundaries. You know what? I'm feeling like this is just too much on me. You're jumping on me. My body is needing a little space, so I'm going to help your body off. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what, honey? It's a little bit loud. Would you please do that in the other room. Is that cool? Could you do that? Okay. I'll go in the other room. Okay. Then, then I'll go like personal boundary. I can't put a limit on you. Right. Right. We can't control other people always, but we can set a personal boundary mm -hmm. and say, I'm needing this. Right. And that's not, um, cruel. That's not, and it doesn't have to be um, said once we've been so pushed that we're going right. to scream it. Right. We can say it so early. We can say, I might be needing. Mm -hmm. We can say, I've been thinking about that I might be feeling. Mm -hmm. We can say it so early that we're surprised when we hear it. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think that's the work we're doing to support our kids in creating their mm -hmm. own boundaries is we're that little voice in their head saying, I'm hearing some higher voices in here. Are people needing something? Mm -hmm. So we're cueing them into what their need is. And a need is how mm -hmm. you, the awareness you've created around a personal boundary that you eventually want to communicate. And that can come right. after the fact too in a circle back. Yeah. You know, I heard some, heard you guys kind of struggling a little bit. And I thought, I wonder if he's needing space or I wonder if she was needing a playmate and there just really wasn't one then. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Or how did you see it play out? What was mm -hmm. going on there? We're right. so neutral. Right. And the neutral, that idea is saying it's inviting our kids into want to be a part of it, right? If we have too mm -hmm. much heat, if we have too much emotion around or the agenda, these <clears throat> moments in general or the circle backs later, our kids are like, want nothing to do with it. They're like, this was too stressful. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Not talking to you. I'm talking to my Olaf, talking to my whatever, mm -hmm. right? So we've got to speak their language. We've got to keep it really neutral and light. Or we need to speak their language in talking about Olaf and Anna and using it through symbolic play or other ways to, mm -hmm. to, to figure out that situation a little bit better. Someone says, can you speak on a spirited child who struggles with transitions? My daughter is two and a half coming home from preschool or getting to go outside is so tough for mm. her. Transitions are so tough. Someone says, thank you. That's super helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think generally yeah. speaking, two and a half year old transitions, any kid transitions, the more um, kind of rhythmic all of them are, the better, the more information they have as to why and when so they feel a sense of security and buy-in is really important. One sec. Bella Solomon, give us an example if you have one. Um, I think that as far as transitions go, the way we uh, communicate the transition uh, can really matter a lot. It can be a demand, it can be a request, or it can be an invitation. And I think the invitations are the ones that kids, especially those younger kids, really, really um, grab onto, grab onto yeah. because they're respectful because they're not putting, creating a power play. They're not saying do this because I said so, or this is happening because the powers mm -hmm. that be, which any child with any healthy form of resistance is going to say no to. I mean, we think, want them to think say about no to us that. with transitions. Like if we, yeah. you know, back in the day, especially we'd like out doing a job, come home from work. If our partner was like 
So we're going to actually go do this thing now. You're just like, what? actually, just I'm having back. 10 people over and you yeah. know, need to make dinner yeah. or, or whatever. Right. Yeah, that's really hard. Um, transitions are hard. So I think I like what you said, Hannah, about making any transition an invitation. I like right. about, I like the idea of planting seeds early. Mm-hmm. So talking about it that morning, what should we do when you get home? Right. What could we do outside? What would be right. nice outside? Or should we put together a little, um, some flowers in a vase and we'll set it outside to put together when we get home? Or, you know, I really wanted to do that little hammering project. Where outside should we set it? So we'll go out there then. <clears throat> or when you get do, home from school, I have something hidden outside for you that's yeah. going to get this party or started. I'm going to choose a song and I have a special speaker that I'm going to play on my phone outside once we go there. Mm-hmm. Or guess what I saw outside while you were at school? I'm so excited to show it to you. It's this little snail. I'm not going to tell you anymore. Let's just go out there. (laughs) Right. I think we have to keep remembering that kids need connection, right? Mm -hmm. To want to do anything. And that's the healthy thing, right? We don't want to raise little robots who are like, oh, they told me to. So I'm going to go to that frat party and do what? So I'm Mm going to go to that business meeting and say what? Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm going to go to that whatever and do whatever that's not that's it's it maybe against things. <laughs> I'm so tired. That's against my morals. It's against my principles. Oh wait, I don't even know what those are because my parents didn't cultivate my own or inner awareness and authority, mm-hmm. right? So we have to keep remembering that any invitation, our kids have the right to know. Mm-hmm. Right? They have these freedoms but to know what it is, to feel what out. it is, right? If she's res- sorry to interrupt. Oh, that's okay. If she's resisting going outside, use the resist approach, right? Right? And you don't feel like going out right now. What did you want to okay. do? What is it? Okay. Tell me more. So you want to do that? Could we do that outside? Okay. No, not so much. My concern is you haven't really been outside all day in the sync up step. You know, remember you were at preschool and you guys spent most of the day in there and gosh, the back, like I've been inside all day. Can you help me stretch? (sighs) I just feel like I need fresh air. What do you say? Still no. Innovate step. We need ideas. What can we do to feel good about going outside? I know oftentimes we have a popsicle in the afternoon. Let's have that popsicle outside that we don't even have to bring napkins or anything, right? Or should we do a chase thing around? Or should we, I mean, we have a, we live on a farm, so there's like so much stuff to get into, which is really helpful. Let's go knock on some of the trailers of our family, friend, employees. Let's, um, you know, it, it puts the onus on us to mm-hmm. figure out a way with their cooperation and um, consent to be moving on to the next thing in a way that we want. Mm-hmm. This is not what they want, right? This is our agenda. Um, and trying to make that as collaborative as possible is the whole idea of the resist approach mm-hmm. Two competing needs. How can we get both of those fulfilled? How can we find um, a resolution that suits both of us? Mm-hmm. And that goes so against our, our primal instinct as a parent to just be like, just do what I fucking say. Cause just I'm the parent, on, right? <laughs> um, so we're trying to basically kind of shatter and interrupt, um, that, uh, that structure yeah. and say, it doesn't have to be that way. It can be just us side by side. We're buddies we're together. I'm still your mom. I'm so generally okay. responsible. I'm, I'm in control, but I'm in Let's, charge. I'm in charge, but I don't have to control you right. to get something done. I want you to do it on your terms. I want you to be thinking and working through these <clears throat> things with me. It might take a little bit of extra effort when we're spent, but it's worth it. It's an if, investment, right? If I'm always thinking for you, then someone else will think for you eventually when I'm not there. Mm -hmm. So I want you to think for yourself as early as possible with my support, right? Mm -hmm. We have to wrap this up really soon. Someone said that's so helpful. Thank you. Um, How can you speak to the optimal language to use? Someone asks when a child does something that upsets us without making them responsible for us feeling or fixing emotions. Does that make sense? Yes. So we always say very quickly, we're struggling. I'm struggling. And we talk about mm-hmm. struggling with the situation, not struggling with you. We're using that I thing statements. you did, that thing you said, I'm struggling. We do we not use an I say. statement. We speak from our personal struggle mm-hmm. and we say, I'm struggling with the, the, the amount of stuff that's needed to clean or, up right now. I'm struggling to support you because right. like, you don't have to say because you're being so crazy <clears throat> or, or making it so difficult. I'm feeling or, overwhelmed in this moment and I'm going to go calm down. Mm-hmm. But again, the focus on parenting is about us, not about changing our kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone says, I love this Q&A. What does Marcy say? Marcy, tonight my young four-year-old son's artwork from daycare fell out of the car and I accidentally stepped on it. So heartbreaking. I let him express his anger. I acknowledged his sad feelings and I let him sit in those emotions and gave him space. Before listening to you, that situation would have looked like me controlling him. 
not accepting his overreactions, etc. Things are working. Thank you. Thanks, Marcy. Thank you, Marcy. Thank you for sharing that. Ugh. That's so great. Someone else said, you guys are amazing. My 12-year-old spirited uh, is struggling with seven-year-old brother who's convinced she is not loved or he is not loved. And he never gets into trouble. He never gets into trouble. Mm-hmm. That's so hard sibling dynamic stuff. Yeah. We talk about that a lot in our siblings guide. We're always here to kind of break that up a little bit yeah. more. I wish we had more time tonight, but yeah. if you send us a DM about it, we could yeah. um, expand on it in a story or in our I lives. I would just say lean Tuesday. into that. You feel like he never gets in trouble. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're struggling with him lately. I'm so sorry. Tell me more, mm-hmm. right? Let's just make a safe space for that sibling to express their mm-hmm. frustration, right? Right. And Maria said, those are helpful. Thank you. And it's usually not wanting to leave preschool. So I try to talk to her Mm -hmm. about it. It ends with me having to help her body to get her home or help her body to get her dressed to go out. And that's okay. That's the loving follow through in our summarized step Mm -hmm. where we've done all the things we've connected. We've given information. We've given time to process. Mm -hmm. We've given agency through our innovation and collaboration opportunities doing all these things. And Mm -hmm. sometimes our kids show us that they still need our support. They're still struggling. Mm -hmm. And if we can't wait longer, can't connect longer or chuck it, then that's when we need to support them. And that's all okay. Right. Someone said, thank you. But always circle back about it. Mm -hmm. If you have to force those clothes on or have to force them in the car, consent issues, we always want to circle back about, Mm -hmm. right? Right. I had to move your body this way. I'm so sorry. I know it's your body, Mm -hmm. but here's what, what, what was happening. Tell me how you were feeling, why I had to do that. Yeah. Lastly, Blair, you said, I know I've mentioned in past lives, you've been trying not to call things, or we've mentioned in past lives, trying not to call things messes. Could you give words to use instead? I'd love not to use mess with my kids. Oh, oh we talk like a whole It's, it's so easy to just want to be like, but these messes, mm. clean it up. Clean up all these it's messes. Mess, right? You've right. been playing and I'm the only one cleaning up all day. Messes is like this like oh, sad so and gross aftermath, yeah. right? Of ultimately a flow of productivity, of art, of learning. creativity, of learning, of growth. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so hard when we focus, and this is in our freedom, um, free to contribute episode of our podcast, mm-hmm. our upbringing podcast, where we talk about how over-focusing and over-prioritizing our kids, contributing and cleaning up can really undermine their play, their flow, their creativity, and how we don't obviously want to be living in a total shithole all the time, but we have to be really sensitive with how we go about that. Yeah, so it's, it's hard when yeah. the onus is on us often, especially when people have made that switch and are like, okay, I'm not going to force my kid mm-hmm. to constantly clean up after themselves, but I got to vent about the mess. There's just so much. It's like a demolition zone through my house every day in quarantine, at home, working, mm-hmm. schooling, all the things. It's really hard. Yeah. We've been trying to say, put away your work. Mm-hmm. You're ready to to put away your work, put back your work, put away, mm-hmm. put back, get things squared away, get things back to zero, zeroing mm-hmm. out. We've been talking about, mm-hmm. so we've been trying to bring that stuff up with our right. work, honey, you know, I'm just trying to zero out the kitchen here. I just want everything to be back. So then we can like get dinner mm-hmm. going at later. You can call so it anything a- you want. And we would uh, advise say, putting it in a positive context. We want to mm-hmm. cozy up this place. We want to get everything back to square one while it, where it feels we good. We want to get everything in its place so it's feeling good. Ship shape is mm-hmm. what we grew up uh, always saying. Ship yeah. shape. I don't, a I'm place for clear. everything and everything. Yeah, exactly. But that was a positive association. Yeah. It wasn't like clean up your messes, right? Mm-hmm. We grew up like loving cleaning. And that is mm-hmm. such a testament to our parents in creating positive associations around cleaning yeah, up. We put some music on. We talk about like a jungle book. We were like, oh yeah, maybe the queen of England's coming. Let's clean. And we clean the whole house. Like the queen of England. I forgot about that. It's like, who's she? What? What? Um, but anyway, so thank you. That's helpful. Yes. To putting a positive spin. Thank Thank you so much for your time and graciousness. Always you're changing the world and helping us change the world. We're all changing the world. One cleanup mess at a time. Tantrum at a time. Yeah. Painting walls, someone says, painting body, making houses everywhere with blanket pillows. It's messy everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've been doing a lot of the fort oh. situations. Yes. And I think so much of that we have to keep remembering is like, 
what are we in control of? We can't control our kids playing necessarily. Do we want to? That's a tricky situation. We can control our environments. We can control how many materials they have. We can control their access to materials. We can mm-hmm. control so much that's not our kids in these play moments. Yeah, we can try to be popping in and saying, before we move to the next thing, let's wrap this thing up. Right. Let's do it together. So it doesn't, it's not like six quote unquote messes or work. Let's create the cleanup as part of the play. I think that's Mm -hmm. a lot of it is that we were like, oh, play and then clean up. It's got to suck. That's how Mm -hmm. most of us were raised. So we also been reading so much about how kids' brains kind of deconstruct things in a certain way and having to reconstruct them to put them away is a totally backward process that they don't understand. I'm trying to think about that with my husband too. I'm like, he just, his brain just... (laughs) It just can't it just do doesn't it. work that it way just, in terms of putting things back. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's harder. I mean, you can, you can enjoy a space and it's do like your doing work. backwards math. Yeah. And you can enjoy a space and do your work, but putting it all back right is like, where do you start? How do you begin? It's hard. And so we do smart goals with our kids. So mm-hmm. I, I think the same thing happens with my partner where he's like, what do I even like do to start? And I'm like, here's mm-hmm. a basket. Take all the blue things, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with my kids. Okay, here's um, grab all the stuffed animals and put them in this corner, right? Smart goals. And this is how we're building their skills mm-hmm. and taking a shit show and breaking it into tiny mm-hmm. little morsels that they can actually I started do. basically giving my kids a box and saying, if you can grab anything that's smaller than your head and put it in the box. Mm-hmm. And they basically go through the entire bedroom and put everything they find into that box and then we go through it together slash I go mm-hmm. through more of it right. because it's really from all corners of our home. It's, it's a lot of decision making. That's the prefrontal cortex. They our don't, kids have don't have it. They don't have it. I barely yet. have it. Right. So that's the, the help that we're, we're making. That's the brain we're building in these moments. That's mm-hmm. the fun we're having. Yeah. Again, we want the value over the habit. It, does mm-hmm. this room have to get cleaned up perfectly or do we want our kids to like cleaning? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. hard. Someone wrote in, uh, on a, I think on a comment <clears throat> on our post today saying mm-hmm. my 10 year old daughter won't brush her hair. And it's really hard because I want her to know what hygiene is about. And I've been, I feel like all I can do is nag and remind and it's really hard. Um, and I think that that's another one. So cleaning up or hygiene or mm-hmm. good eating habits. Those are all things that we want to be built, building positive associations around and value around not just the skill not just perform this you must perform it but what is the value mm-hmm. are we are we connecting to how it feels when it's doing it do are we connected to how it feels when it's done right are we thinking about that kind of inner attunement about it mm-hmm. Someone said, um, I use the word mess often, uh, so often that it is really helpful. Thank you. I grew up in a hoarder with a hoarder mom. So, um, the mess feels triggering sometimes. Absolutely. We get that. And someone else said, my partner's the opposite. He loves to tidy to the point where he starts to clean up while play is still happening. Yes, absolutely. I get that. That is so understandable. I mean, I notice when I start cleaning up when play is still happening, Mm -hmm. that I have anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, generalized anxiety and, and I'm just, I'm needing to control my environment in a different way. And that's hard around, um, around kids when they're making all the messes and we're wanting to clean up and control the messes. Yeah. It's hard um, to, I think that that's what our, um, yeah. free to contribute podcast episode talked so much about was mm-hmm. those messes that play all of that unruly stuff, dumping out bins, getting all the socks everywhere, toys splaying ever <clears throat> all, everywhere. Trigger that, alert. <laughs> yeah. That's all work and it's yeah. all learning they're learning so much. It doesn't look like learning. It doesn't look like rewriting those pathways helped Mm -hmm. so much being like glue on the table Mm -hmm. to think first, learning, 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 not trying to kill me, Mm -hmm. right. Trying to ruin my life and my possessions, Mm -hmm. right. So much of it is about our beliefs and thinking about those beliefs. Someone said it's so true. If they hear cleaning up the mess, they absorb that they are creators of such negative things. Yes, exactly. Someone else said, thanks for sharing. I wish we had more time, everybody. Um, someone mentioned their seven-year-old struggling with school. Virtual has been hard, lots of anxiety, we, moments and meltdowns. We would love yeah. to connect with you more about this. Um, this <clears throat> next uh, Tuesday, well, we have two, yeah. um, two uh, live sessions we did. Even the dog's coming in. One of them, one of them with Akila Richards from Fair of the Free Child, who wrote the book Raising Free People, and one with um, Jen Lumenlin from Your Parenting Mojo, mm-hmm. and we talked about um, schooling and homeschooling and um, Zoom schooling and all of those things. And there's just so many gems in those two live sessions. I highly recommend them. What we would recommend if your son is struggling and having anxiety about school is 
go to the principal, go to the teacher and say, what can we do? How can we do less? What's the minimum? What's the minimum that we can be doing right now? My son is struggling. I want him to like school. I want him to feel like a free agent in his education. I want Mm -hmm. him to be a self-directed learner. I want him to enjoy this time and not hate school. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many things that we can be doing um, to just kind of ease that burden a little Mm -hmm. bit for us, for our kids and for the teachers and and reminding ourselves that the teachers are generating this content basically to keep children busy while their parents work. Mm -hmm. So if you are able to be with your kid a little bit more, some of us are, some of us aren't, um, do it. Say, I can actually be with him a lot of the time working on other stuff. Is that okay? Did the, my computer die? Your computer died. Awesome. (laughs) Anyway, be a conscientious consumer of education. Right. That's what we would recommend. And welcome all the feelings your son yeah. has about it. And just say, I'm going to deal with the situation with a, a, um, a counselor, a principal, but with my child, he's a conscientious consumer. I'm just going to help him attune to his needs, help mm-hmm. him connect with the feelings he has, help normalize all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're feeling stressed about it. I hear you. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh school's hard right now. Oh, what's hard about it? Tell I'm not school. I'm this not the not proxy. Me. I'm not trying to convince you to love it. No. I've got no skin in this game. Right. Give me everything. I just Tell want me everything. you to know yourself better so you can learn better. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm on your side. Here. Right. Dig a little. What part of it? Oh, okay. This part. You and know. not concerned, like, but why? What this? Wow. You have no agenda. Nothing. Right? Just tell me more. I'm right? so curious. You're there to serve your child. This is so normal. Oh, Zoom school and the pandemic. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. I can't right. even imagine what you're going through, honey. This is so hard. I'm here, right? Mercury retrograde full effect. Thank you for that. Thank you, ladies. You guys are the best. So helpful. Thank you. Oh, you're nodding to our talking. Yes. Yay. Good. We're here. Thanks We're always for being here. here, buddy. We're going to wrap this up. I need to be home right now. It's seven. Let's go. You're doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. You should be proud of yourself. We're all growing up together. We're all doing this work together. It's going to be okay. You're doing an amazing job. Did I say that already? Please DM us if uh, if you've got some, there's a bunch of other stuff. Someone said you're so funny and good at this. So many distractions going on right now. Um, you're so go with the flow and have each other to keep the combo up. We do oh, have yeah. each other. We're so we lucky. Do. Yeah. Um, we'll Thanks. We love you all. Indeed. Thank you so much, everyone. Yeah. Um, we'll see you on Thursday. DM us anything we yes. missed tonight. Bye.